Listen, you're in for a real treat this morning. Robin McMillan is, is such a prophetic voice to a generation, a father in every sense of the word, wild man, there's no doubt about it. Um, and the Lord really linked us up together, and it was just one of those God things. He pastors a church you have to go to down in Charlotte, North Carolina called Queen City Church. It's a, they were meeting in this crazy, I can't, I've never even seen such a thing. I went to speak there. One of the, I speak, you know, all the time, monthly, many times. It's one of the trips I'll never forget because we went to a Panthers game. It was powerful. The, Jesus moved. He was meeting in like, was that a bar? You know when you go to a bar and it smells like a bar and it's just nothing but alcohol scent and you're like, this is gross. That's where they had church. I mean, this was amazing. You stand there and there is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people everywhere in this bar. It was not set up as a church. There's bar stools, tables, and every millennial and music artist you can think of in that room. And it was so powerful. God moved in a powerful way, but it really, I mean, it's, I've never seen anything like it. It was such an oxymoron where you have a guy that's so seasoned in years, pastoring. See, I, I didn't say old. When you have a guy that seasoned in life, when you have a guy that Jim Lick lighter, do you know what I mean? But yet, but yet God has attracted him to every young mind and all these, you know, people that are just like changing this world for God in music. And of course, not just what his son does, but everything he's done in the family. It really attests to his fathering and love. We're in for a real treat this morning for him to take time out of his church. So church, you're in for it. Can we give an honor this morning to Pastor Robin McMillan, a dear friend and father to me? Good afternoon. No, what is it? I'm living in the I'm living in the future. <laughs> yeah, James gives me trouble about naps. I went to bed last night. Woke up and took a nap. <laughs> Slept over Slept in the car over here, you know, with Chad. Took a little snooze. This message is probably going to be so bad, you may be taking a nap here in a few minutes, but I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, let me tell you about some of the items I have in the back. What I did over the years, a couple years ago, I put all my messages on zip drives or flash drives. And why I did that was I can give for $40 literally $300 worth of product because you don't have the packages and the CDs and the shipping and, and why not. So this one has, um, let me see, prophetic perspectives, five videos, five audio messages in prophetic Five audio messages, prophetic training, so that's ten total. Breaking Bad Cycles, another five. These are series, not individual. Each one of these is like a five-message series. Supernatural Realm, Finding Your Destiny, Five Wagon Revival Revelation. You don't have a clue what that's about, I'm sure. Insights for Overcoming, Sustaining Favor, Value of Freedom, or Value of Friendship. And then I've got some smaller ones. They're 25 bucks, and they have... Um, five videos, 
Oh, just a bunch of stuff on here. You guys are going to enjoy these so much. Supernatural Lifestyle, 16 messages, broken down into three different series, Engaging the Supernatural Realm. What's the sound in front of that thing right there? Engaging Heaven. Okay, okay. Breaking Bad Cycles in the Renewed Mind. So, um, also wrote a book. I've written three books and I've only published one. I'm going to publish the other two one of these days. And this is called Mystic Moose Tales, and it's an allegory. And uh, it's really about the supernatural life, but it's written in story form. And um, the main character is a moose that walks around like a human. It's really pretty bizarre, but it's awesome. And uh, welcome to my world, by the way. And uh, if, if I did this like from a doctrinal perspective, I'd have a bunch of people arguing with me. And, but since I wrote it as an allegory and they want to argue about it, I say, hey, come on, man, it's this story about a moose. What's, what's up? So, awesome. I love James because my wife loves James. And what I mean by that is I've been married 40 years. I've got four kids, five grandkids. And um, we were in Atlanta with one of Danny Stain's meetings and heard James speak. And uh, I just love that sort of honest, refreshing, no frills, get to it, talk about it the way it is. So, And I like to laugh. I like to laugh at people that tell the truth. <laughs> I wish you were here last night, those of you who weren't. We had, gosh, do we have a time? I was so shocked. I wondered, was that really me preaching like that? Gosh, makes me want to take a nap. <laughs> hey, let's do this. Um, can you throw, I want to talk about Jesus and Zacchaeus. And can you throw up on the screen Luke 19, and we're going to read nine verses. You guys like to read the Bible? Luke 19, verse 1, New King James, please. You want to read that together? That's awesome. Here's what I do at home. I know my kept crowd's not reading the Bible much. So I have, I have them read out loud every, almost every Sunday. I get the word up and we read it together. And, but we read it out loud, and I have to explain to them what out loud means. It means words are coming out of your mouth. A lot of people read out loud silently, which makes zero sense. They're not really reading out loud. But the wonderful thing about reading out loud is you hear what you're reading. So you get it coming and going. So let's do this. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Why don't you stand up? Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Come on, Zacchaeus. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. 
for today I must stay at your house. Awesome, Jesus, good man. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, uh-oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There they are. They're always there, bro. They're always, they are always there. And if you don't know who you are, they bother you. They're always there. Who are they? You know who they are. You may be they. Oh. But when they saw it, they said, wonderful. Jesus is going to help this poor bum. No, 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 no. They murmured. That's what they do. That's their job description. They want to infect you with their murmuring. Don't listen. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Oh, Rabbi Oh, then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. That's it. How cool, huh? We think about Zacchaeus. You know, context is so important when you read the Bible. We saw last night. Do you have those on tape? Do you have those recorded last night? You know, you really ought to get that. You may not know it, but Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, that whole wonderful uh, pastoral song that David wrote and sang, it was written as David was being pursued by his son Absalom, who had stolen the kingdom. And almost everything he said in that song was not true in his experience. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. No, Absalom was after him to kill him. And so when you see that psalm, you understand that um, context means so much to understand the Bible. And so when you look at Zacchaeus, well, who was he and why was he the way he was? I think that's so important. Well, first of all, he was a disappointment to his parents. I'm sure there's no one in here who's ever been a disappointment to the parents. My mother wanted me to be a dentist or a lawyer. And I said, I'm not reading any more of those ugly books, and I'm not looking in people's mouths the rest of my life, Mom. I'm sorry. Not that I'm, I have a great dentist, by the way. I'm very glad he will look in my mouth. But nevertheless, I didn't turn out the way my mom and dad wanted me to turn out. I got saved. My dad was a college football coach, and all the people in my mom's crowd were professional people. And uh, I got saved, and... I went home, told them. I mean, I grew up in church, and they were shocked when I got saved. Does that make any sense? Welcome to the Bible Belt, ladies and gentlemen. And my dad said to me, well, son, 
If you're going to get caught somewhere, church is as good a place as any. They didn't get me. I was hard to get. I got that radical thing on, you know, when uh, you love Jesus just like nobody else had ever heard of him, the way you'd heard of him. But I was a disappointment to my parents. I'm not now. They're in heaven. They get it. They see I'm doing what I should have been doing all these days. And it wouldn't have mattered if they understood or not. I was going to do what I was going to do, ladies and gentlemen. I got one life. It's mine to live. I'll answer for it. My mom ain't going to answer for my life. My dad won't either. There will be no character witnesses at the great white throne when it's your turn. They will matter. You all, listen, raise your kids. If you raise your kids based on what everybody else thinks, your kids are going to hate you because they know you've knuckled under. You can't let people tell you who you are. You you need Jesus telling you who you are. You need the Bible telling you who you are. You really do because they will wear you out. But he was a disappointment. Why do I say that? Well, his name, Zacchaeus, means pure and innocent, and he was neither one. He was a tax collector, and Jews hated him because tax collectors worked for Rome. Tax collectors made their living, collected more taxes than they had to pay Rome. Taxes were too high. You know, some people had to sell their children into slavery in Israel to pay their taxes. They hated him. Guess who loved tax collectors? Jesus. Jesus loved tax collectors. He went to parties for tax collectors. You know, Jesus party animal. Jesus party man. He loves to have fun. You know, Jesus loved to have fun. His first miracle goes to a wedding, turns 120 gallons of water into wine. He's a party man. He loves people. He loves hanging out. He loves having fun. He loves life. He loves releasing people into their destiny. He hates seeing people like Zacchaeus, who is so hurt and so wounded and so stunted, living that kind of life. He hates the fact that what people think about him bother him. He hates that. He loves to release people into who God's created them to be. So he sees this tax collector. He's powerful. I wondered, uh, there's so much in here. Let me look. um, The Bible tells us in verse 3 that he sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd, for he was short of stature. You know, you cannot let people get between you and Jesus. He had to get up higher. Some of you got to get up higher. You got to think higher. You got to get above the head of the crowd to really see accurately who this Jesus is. The thing I love about Zacchaeus is he would compensate. He wouldn't let his physical restrictions keep him from doing what he needed to do to see who this Jesus was. The Bible says he ran ahead, climbed up into a tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. You know, the wonderful thing about Zacchaeus was he was willing to humble himself to get somewhere with God. He ran ahead. 
He was short. He climbed a tree. How many of you in this room would climb a tree to your own personal humiliation to see who Jesus is? See, sometimes that's what it takes. You have to go farther than somebody else goes. You have to do something someone else is not going to do. There's this, there's this reality in the kingdom that um, God responds to responders. We saw that last night. <laughs> oh. I like every once in a while just to crank out a tongue. It infuriates the enemy. Where was I? Somebody help me here. Climbed a tree. Climbed a tree. Why would Zacchaeus climb a tree to see who Jesus was? Maybe he knew that, Zac that Jesus had a tax collector on his staff. Maybe he knew Jesus had healed blind Bartimaeus on his way into town that day. Maybe there was something in Zacchaeus' heart that thought, maybe this Jesus had something for him. But what we see with Zacchaeus, we see his humility, and we see his hunger. We see his responsibility. I was thinking, um, mentioned it last night, the Bible tells us about Moses in the burning bush. That Moses was willing to stop and see what was going on in that bush. And it was only after he stopped to see, it was only after he allowed his curiosity to lead him into new territory that the Lord said, I will now speak to Moses. You see, God is looking for a response from us. He will initiate, but will we respond? That's so important. God wants you to give him priority. I remembered um, just recently in the middle of the night, I had this dream about a friend of mine, and it was about his business. And I have known now over 40 years, 45 years, if I don't get up in the night and write down what I get by the next morning, I'll either not remember it at all or remember it inaccurately. So I got up and I wrote it down. And the next day when I saw him, I gave him this message about his business, and he said, man, Later, a week later, said, I would not have made it without that word. If I did not understand what God saw about me and my business, I would not have made it. I would not have had that for him if I didn't have a sense of responsibility. You know, who do we live our lives for? Really, who do we live them for? Does it matter to you that your friends are failing because your responsibility level is diminished? So Zacchaeus sees something in Jesus. The Bible tells us when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and he saw Zacchaeus and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today I must stay at your house. I wonder, I wonder what Jesus saw I wonder what Jesus saw when he looked at Zacchaeus. Have you ever thought about this? Jericho had, I think, 200,000 people. Do you know there were more priests that lived in Jericho or as many priests that lived in Jericho as lived in Jerusalem? 
How was it Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name? Among the 150,000, among all the tax collectors. See, here's what I believe. I believe that Jesus had a word of knowledge. He looked at a man, rejected. He looked at a man whose parents were heartbroken over how he had grown up. He looked at a man society had rejected, and Jesus called him by name. Jesus tells him, there's only one home I want to go to in Jericho today. Not a high, not the priest's house. I want to go to your house. Matter of fact, I must go to your house. So hurry up, come down. Oh, I like that. Make haste. Come down for today. I must stay at your house. Some commentators call that the royal mandate. Wouldn't it be wonderful one day if Jesus said, I must stay at your house? You see, why do we have the Bible? We have the Bible because what happened to Zacchaeus, there's a real place this can happen to us. Do you know the same heart Jesus had for Zacchaeus he has for you? Woke up one morning and the Lord said to me, each of my children is my own personal favorite. I'm God's favorite person. I'm God's favorite person. You can argue about it if you want to, but you are too. He said, each of my children is my own personal favorite. Then he said this, the heartbreaking part, but very few believe it. What did, what did Jesus see when he saw Zacchaeus? Did he see a tax collector? Did he see a disappointment? Did he see a little short guy who couldn't make it work? What did Jesus see when he, when he saw Zacchaeus? Do you know if you're in the right light, if James and I were in the right light and we were in a relatively short distance from each other and I looked into James's eyes, do you know who I would see? I would see myself. I would see my reflection in James's eyes. And see, so when Jesus, the way Jesus looks at people is not the way we look at people. When Jesus looked at Zacchaeus, he saw himself. He saw himself in Zacchaeus because that's who Zacchaeus has been created to be not a tax collector. He was created in the image of God. And so when Jesus looked at Zacchaeus, he could see himself in that man. And, and if you want to reverse that, when Zacchaeus looked at Jesus, he could see himself in Christ. Oh, that's too good, man. That is so good. I'm just going to take a nap right here. <laughs> the Bible tells us Zacchaeus uh, received Jesus joyfully. 
Verse 7, but when they saw it, oh, no, here we go. There they are, the thems. They, they all murmured, saying, listen to how foolish this was. He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner, like they weren't. Every house in Jericho he went to was going to eat with a sinner. That's the arrogance people have. He stayed all night. Literally gone to be a guest is like he took up lodging. He makes this unpopular choice. All the priests in Jericho, who does Jesus choose to spend the night with? Who does Jesus choose to eat with? Who does Jesus choose to pour his life into? The most despised man in town. And you would think, well, you know, he's rich. Jesus should at least gone to a poor man. Jesus doesn't discriminate. As I've studied the Bible, you know, um, if you look at Jesus' staff, two-thirds of Jesus' staff were related to him. And the rest of them probably knew each other growing up. You go research that. You'll be amazed. You had two sets of brothers, and those two brothers were cousins, and they were cousins of Jesus. So you got five right there that probably knew each other growing up. And then, you know, Jesus had a house. You know Jesus had a house? We find that in the Gospels. He, lived, he, he had his own. He, did, he didn't live in the bushes. You know, people quote that verse, foxes have nests. No. Birds have nests. Foxes have holes. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. What he meant was, there's no one yet who can bear my mind. There's no group that I can rest in with my viewpoint on humanity and life. They've been so affected by either sin or religion. I have nowhere yet to lay my head, but it wasn't about having a home. He had a home in Capernaum. He actually probably most likely, maybe you could think, think about it, who knows, sounds like it, rented it from Peter's family. That's why when they tore the roof off the building, Jesus didn't care it wasn't his house, it was Peter's house. Remember, they tore the roof off the building, Lord, that guy, and Jesus heals that man. He didn't even say anything. They tore an eight-by-five-foot hole through the roof of Peter's house to get a man healed, and Jesus thought it was a good idea. But I'm pointing, the point I'm making is Jesus really goes and stays where people love him. If you want to have an awesome church, find a place where people really love Jesus. He'll come. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, we're in good shape. I've got another hour, but I'm condensing into eight minutes. I'm not complaining. Man, we got football, right? We got lunch coming up. <laughs> yeah, you got two girth-wise preachers like me and James. You don't think we're interested in lunch? I love Jesus more than lunch, though, and I'm talking about Jesus right now, so don't let me get diverted. Stop pulling me into lunch, please. My goodness. How many of you thought about lunch since you came in here this morning? Come on. Oh, my. They all complained he's going to be guests with a man who is a sinner. You can't let people, don't let people tell you who Jesus is, please. Don't let people tell you who you are. Go look into his eyes. 
Oh, there's such an amazing, uh, when you think about how, how Jesus really sees people, over in John 1, 45 through 48, run that up on the screen. Let, let, let's take a look at that. I know you haven't read the Bible enough today, folks. I'm helping. John 1, 45, can you? I'll go ahead. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And then Nathanael says something nasty about Jesus. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? What was he really saying? Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. I mean, except the Son of God. The perfect, pure, spotless, only legit person ever born. And Nathaniel says, give me a break. Give me a break. Nazareth, Messiah, I don't think so. Verse 47, Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before. Not before Philip called you, but he said before. He saw something before. When Philip called you, you were under the fig tree. I saw you. I heard what you said about me. But just previously, do you know Jesus knowing what Nathaniel said about him? Here's what Jesus said, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Here's what Jesus literally said. Would you see a guileless, true-hearted Israelite whose one object is to be right with God, to be taught by him, be led by him? He points to Nathaniel and says, this is he. Jesus didn't care he, because he knew Nathaniel said what he said out of a heart to know God. See, that's the way Jesus is. Jesus is way more interested in identifying in you and releasing to you your destiny, your purpose, your gifts, your abilities. We're so oriented around finding fault. Oh, man, talk about the election. Whew. What's the devil's primary tool? He accuses, he accuses, he accuses, he accuses, he accuses. Jesus isn't like that. James was talking about the offering. When Zacchaeus met Jesus, he said, Lord, look, I'm getting half of my goods to the poor. There are several, there are several ways to approach things. Um, You can be generous for the wrong reason. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying the highest way is you become generous because you have seen 
God accurately. You've seen Him accurately. If you're not generous, you have not seen Him accurately enough. Are you with me? That's so important. That's a huge church culture shift instead of give because, because, because. It's have you really seen him the way he really is? Something in your heart opens. Half my goods to the poor. If I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. It says Zacchaeus stood and said this. You need to take your stand. You need to take your stand for the goodness of God. You need to take your stand for the kindness of God. You need to take your stand for the truth of the gospel. Jesus winds up saying, Today's salvation has come to this house because he also is the son of Abraham. Let me read that again. Salvation has come to this house because he's the son of Abraham. Not he wants to be. There's like no higher compliment Jesus could pay a Jewish man than that they were a son of Abraham. Jesus didn't say he became. He, He saw, listen, he saw who Zacchaeus really was. Zacchaeus just needed the right person at the right time saying the right thing from heaven to crack him into who he was born and destined to become, a son of Abraham. You can't can't work your way into who you are. You've got to discover who you are. You've got to discover who he says you are and participate in who you are. I thought, and I, lo- I, lo- I love this. I thought, how, how did Jesus change that man? How did he change him? I have no clue. I would like to tell you how Jesus changed Zacchaeus' life. Do you understand what I'm saying? You cannot figure out Jesus. But if you can introduce the real Jesus to somebody, the real Jesus will do what only the real Jesus can do. No Bible school, no Bible memorization, no oath, no promise, no commitment, no anything. Jesus will do what only Jesus can do because Jesus is real. Holy Ghost is real. That same Holy Ghost is here this morning. That same Jesus, through the power of the Spirit this morning, His eyes are looking right into the depths of your soul. And He is not trying to identify what's wrong with you. He is trying to identify what your true destiny is, what your true calling is, and call you into that. You know, even in Jerusalem, He says, um... If only you would have come to me. He weeps over the nation because he knew if the nation had really come to him, they would have avoided everything that fell upon Jerusalem 70 years later. 
If that's not so, why was he crying? If we think history has been pre-written in some ways, we are mistaken. If we think America has to crumble, has to fall, that's a lie. It does not have to crumble. It does not have to fall. We, we live by crazy Bible understandings of the end times. What if they're all wrong? What if our best days are ahead of us? What if we're not post-Christian? What if we're actually pre-Christian? Oh, we were talking the other day. James said something I've said myself. It doesn't take any faith to see bleakness. You know, guys making a fortune, selling, hiding in the bushes stuff. I remember Y2K, you know, my kids came to me. I'll be done in a second. My kids came to me. They said, Dad, where, you know, Y2K, they're going to cut the water off because everything's going to fall apart. I said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to walk in the bathroom. I mean, I'm going to walk in the kitchen, turn on tap, drink water. I didn't buy into it. He said, well, well what if you're wrong? I said, I'm going to find somebody that stored water. You know, what people, what hoarders don't realize is a guy with a bigger gun, take all your stuff. Oh, man, I got, I got my, I got my, uh, I got all my everything's falling apart stuff. And Okay, get some peanut butter. You know, you can have, who knows? Don't take any faith to believe that. Where are we going to get? Well, I said, oh, I think I'll go in the kitchen. Set knob. I'm going to turn that knob. Stick a glass right up in that spigot. Well, Dan, what, what if I, I said, well, I'll just find somebody to store water. I, I'm, wasted. I'm worried. Listen, I grew up worrying. When I met Jesus, he started telling me worrying was... Uh, Illegit. Unfaithfulness. You, if you're a warrior, you're not faithful. It's like being unfaithful to your wife, only it's unfaithful to God. Worry, that's what that is. James says, oh, laid back Robin. No, worried, worried Robin. Worried Robin that met Jesus, and Jesus started dealing about worrying. I'm not Dr. Laid Back. I'm not Dr. Porch. I'm not... Nothing bothers me. I'm like every other man. I just found a man who can start fixing some of what's in me. Jesus, he's really good, man. I'm I'm telling you, he's good. You know, the Son of Man didn't come to save what was lost. He came to seek and to save. He's looking for you, man. He is looking for you. He is looking to do you good. He is looking to do you good. Let's do this. Um, I don't know how you want to close this morning, James, but uh, I would like for people to stand that want more of the real Jesus. 
and I would, I'll pray. Is that good? If you're lost today, Jesus wants you to know him. He really does, and it's simple. It's, um, here's something that concerns me, though, the idea of Kairos time. You know, if Moses hadn't responded at the burning bush, his life, he wouldn't be in the Bible. You'd never know about a man named Moses. If Zacchaeus hadn't climbed that tree, because that was his day. I'm not, I'm not the classic evangelist, honestly. I don't have all the evangelists speak that some do, and they're good at it. I'm not good at it. I'm really not good at getting people mass crusades say. That's just not me. Uh, but I'm telling you this. This could be your day. If you respond, you could write a new chapter. And if you walk by this burning bush, if you don't climb this little tree, if you let them tell you who you are, your life is going to go where it's headed. Now let me ask, how many of you, and, and listen, I don't, this isn't about me and how many people respond. It's not. It's not. It's about you. How many of you feel some sort of conviction that you need to respond to Jesus today? Now, just stick your hand up. Why don't you stick your hand up? If, if you would come down here, I just want to simply pray for you. But step out. Come down. Jesus said, make haste and come down. There's humility involved. You're making a statement. I don't know what your statement is. I don't need to know because I'm not the real Jesus. The real Jesus is right here with you. He's looking right. He's looking at you. He's talking to you. He has your best interest at heart. So, Father, I'm praying for these, everyone here, but I'm also praying for he's a, they that came, Lord. You know what's going on with them. You know their pain, you know their challenge, you know whatever. But Jesus, you're more than enough. You're more than enough. Say that with me, folks. Jesus is more than enough. And let me ask you to do this. Invite him in. I mean, we should do that every day. Jesus, be in my life. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, be in my life. You know those things I've done. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I give it up. I give it up. Just be in my life. Fill me with your Holy Ghost, Lord. Oh, I want to know the joy of heaven. Oh, Rabbachikananasa. In the name, the wonderful name of Jesus. Father, we thank you this morning for your presence. We thank you for that call that we say yes to. God, we thank you that, God, we would encounter you in your eyes like Zacchaeus, Lord. God, solidify in our lives. Seal in our hearts that, God. Jesus. Jesus.
Thank you, Lord. Man, I feel like that was such a timely word for us, friends. Were you blessed? Come on. Can you do me a favor? Can we give Robin a hand this morning? And be seated really quick if you can.